Hey guys, welcome back in. It's your girl Tiara Ebony. Today I want to talk about dreaming. How many of you guys actually dream? Like when you go to sleep and you're in your deepest sleep, which is the room sleep, do you have vivid dreams? Are your dreams vague and you're not really able to recall them in the morning? Or do you sleep in complete blackness? A lot of things come from dreaming, in my opinion. Um, I dream every night, just about. Not everything I dream about I can say is significant. But a lot of times, if I do wake up and my dreams are, like, fresh in my mind, I write them down because I feel as if there's something I needed to remember. And sometimes our dreams are kind of our vision pathways, in my opinion. We don't know off the bat. Well, some people may know, but... um. Not everybody knows what their gifts are in this beautiful world. If you're spiritual or religious, you'll kind of understand what I'm saying. But anywho, um, I was just curious how many people actually dream. I took a class. Um, you can YouTube these classes as well, though. And you can kind of really look within sleeping patterns and meditation styles. And it's very interesting, you guys. And this is for everybody, whether you're spiritual or not. If you like to learn something new, go on over there and Google YouTube and really look at different sleeping patterns and styles and stages. Like I said, it's really interesting. But anyways, uh, last week I was sleeping, of course, right? And I had this crazy, bizarre dream. And the dream didn't have any significance, but it woke me up. It woke me up at 5 a.m. and I'm laying there and I'm like, oh my goodness, is this really what we're going to do, Tiara? It's, it's early. You know, you're going to get up in the next 45 minutes to an hour. Don't you want to sleep? And I'm like, all right, nope. Uh, I ran the dream back through my head. And pretty much my dream was about a guy I talked to back at home. And he had confessed his love to me. And I'm just like, what? And y'all, this guy and I are like vinegar and oil. We don't mix. So it didn't make any sense. And I just let it go. And then as I'm trying to drift back to sleep, it's like it hit me in my face. It was just a thought. And it was a dream my mother had. So my mother had a dream of me, y'all, and it's bizarre. I'll tell it in a little bit. But anyways, I hadn't thought about that dream in four years because how bizarre it was. Then I start to think, maybe why, you know, why am I thinking about this dream? And it just come out of nowhere, right, at 5 a.m. in the morning. So I started to kind of recall my day and just relax. And maybe it was something in it that I needed to see. So I was like, God, if this is something you want me to see, I'm going to need you to bring it to me. I'm tired, and I don't want to get up and write it down. Because a lot of times I need to write things down to be able to receive it. So anyways, I lay back down, I close my eyes, and then it starts to flood in. So the first thing that came up after the thought was, you know, the episode I did was about facing your fears. So my mother's dream came right before I decided I needed to leave Virginia. She had called me up and she's like, hey, Tita, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, ma. And she's like, uh, how you feeling? And this is something I do too, y'all. When I got something to say, I need to do a nice little intro with you and I need to fill you out. So anyways, I'm like, what's up, ma? And she's like, well, I had a dream, but I don't want you to be afraid. And I'm like, ma, what kind of introduction is that? I'm now... I'm tense a little bit because, you know, you don't tell me not to be. Now I'm curious what you're about to say. So anyway, she tells me her dream, you guys, and I am blown away. I have nothing to say because at this point, it's just like, huh? 
And I didn't think anything else about it. I pushed it to the back of my mind. And then here we are four years later at 5 a.m. on a random Friday and it comes back up. But it is all about the bigger picture here. So it was a reason. Like I said, I did the episode of Facing Your Fears and then it begins with the timeline. So my mother's dream came prior to me realizing I've outgrown Virginia and I needed to leave. I had a little hiccup because I had turned down the job in Far East Texas and I actually took one in Portsmouth. So when I was in Portsmouth, I had met a gentleman and um, it was kind of crazy how we met, to be honest. I didn't, I didn't see him. I always felt him and I've always felt so strong and like pulled towards him. And when we used to talk, I used to tell him all the time, I won't look it for you because I really wasn't. I was really driven and really tunnel vision at that point in my life. And I needed to get the hell out of Virginia. And I was on my way out. So when I met him, I was so confused to why would God place someone in my pathway that felt so like at home, so to speak. Him and I jived, we bumped heads, of course, but we jived so well. And then he could understand not only my hustle, my, my goal to get the hell out of Virginia and climb the charts. He was actually very helpful. I took the job in Iowa, which was a behavioral health hospital, right? And he was a behavioral health as his baseline, I believe. But anyways, he was able to really help me within those winter months. It was in Iowa and really kind of keep me grounded a little bit and give me a little more insight that I needed. Not everybody understands healthcare, let alone a discipline like behavioral health. And I was going through a joint commission window and I had just left one in Portsmouth, but I didn't have to participate in that one. In Iowa, I did. So anyways, I would call him and I would talk to him and he would really be my support system that I really needed at the time. And he also poured into me. So I didn't understand what he was there for. And I used to tell him, you know, I'm not sure if you are a blessing, a lesson or both, you know, because he just felt so at home and we just clicked on all kinds of levels, even though we bumped heads, like I said, as well. But he came across a time where I needed him, I felt, or I needed him, his help. I'm gonna say I needed his help to kind of see. I was not able to see my pathway and I was really, like I said, tunnel vision. And I couldn't even see through this tunnel, you guys. I just knew I was in it and I knew where I wanted to end on the other side. So anyways, um, that went on and then like i said when i came to iowa i started to spiral and i start to tell you guys about it in my last episode i felt at some point that i made a mistake and i was gonna fail i felt like you know i had uprooted my life i had came here and i had realized that my job was basically a lie they had bought me all the way here under false pretenses and i was working in a department all alone and I had a lesser title than the one that they originally had, and I couldn't understand why. So I call a meeting to the CFO and the CEO, and I'm like, hey, you know, I found a job description, and it was originally this title. You guys bumped it down to this title. And I was going to give my notice, and I did, but we'll go into that in another story. But the point being is Iowa was rough, you guys. Iowa was a rough move, but I took it, and I, I I took it on the chin. I took it and I made it what I needed to make it. I didn't crumble. I never crumble because I can't, right? Anywho, after um, all of that happened, right before I left behavioral health, I 
had a nice like heart-to-heart conversation with my manager she actually was leaving before me she had came in as well but she was from Waterloo which is like a couple hours from West Des Moines where I was stationed at I would say um but she was leaving anyways and me and her had a conversation this is like our final conversation she sat me down and she looked me in my eyes and you guys she had these piercing beautiful eyes but this time it all felt too different it felt similar but different um I wouldn't expect for her and I to have this type of conversation just because we came from two different backgrounds and a lot of times I used to say well you can't really understand what I'm going through because you don't look like me right wrong um she could understand as far from my career and being a woman so those are the pieces she really leaned in on and she's like hey you know I know what we talked about. I know your passions, but you have to sit still. And I'm looking at her because I'd have heard this a million one times. You have to sit still. And I'm telling her and I'm like, hey, um, her name is Annette. Hey, Annette, but you know, I can't sit still. And I'm telling her all the reasons why I can't. And she's she's sitting there. She's looking at me. <laughs> she's, very, she's very empathetic. And then she says it again. You have to sit still. And then we go in and we have this amazing conversation. And at that point, I guess she had nothing to lose because she was very straightforward. It was nothing that this woman did not say that I have not already heard. And that was the other piece for me. But the fact that she didn't know me from the man in the moon and she can hit it on the head on so many things I've already heard, it stuck. So after she left and I left shortly after her, um, my life really starts to spiral. It spiraled all in Iowa. I would say I was in a season of fall in Iowa. So I would call Portsmouth guy and I would talk to him and then me and him would get on like a religious note or a spiritual note and we would kind of talk on that. And then my mother would call me right after. It was like, y'all, it's like a drop of a dime every time. But she would call me right after I finished talking to him And then she would chime in just like if she knew what we were talking about. But the crazy thing is she didn't know. She didn't know about him because I didn't tell her originally. And she didn't know what we were talking about. She had no clue. She's all all, all the way in Virginia and I'm in Iowa, right? So it starts to get really bizarre and weird. And I start to lean into it because I'm like, you know, I feel like you guys are part of the puzzle. You guys feel connected. And then um, I had to think about it. They don't know each other. So the only common denominator is me. But that went on for months. That went on for months. And um, as my life started to keep going down the hills, what I felt, uh, they continued to really pour into me. And then one day I told Portsmouth guy and I was telling him like, hey, you know, I feel like I have all these pieces to this puzzle, but I can't see the puzzle. I know I have all the pieces because I can feel it in my heart, my body, my soul. I can really feel it, you guys. But I can't see. And he was like, well, maybe you're in a season of darkness. And I didn't know what that meant. So I really started to lean again into my spirituality. I started to read. Um, the Bible went to, went to school. I mean, I went to online, not online, y'all. I'm losing my words now. I went to church, virtual church, because we're in the middle of a pandemic still. So I used to tune in to Mountain Zion, which is back at home in Virginia, and I would just really use that as a guidance for me and try to start reading this Bible. And then side note, my mother Amazon me this Bible, y'all. One day we were having a conversation and I was telling her I just cannot see and I needed her help because my mother's a minister and I was like, I need your help to see because I can't see mom. And I feel like I have all the puzzle pieces. I told her as well. 
she was the one who Amazon me a Bible and was like, you just need to read the Bible. And she also said it, that you're still a baby within your religion and you need to learn how to grow. Your religion should not be attached to me. Your religion is your own. Y'all, I'm already here all of that. And I'm, you know, mm-mm. nope, I just want her to answer my question. And she never would. And then a Portsmouth guy, he would answer my questions with his stories. He was a minister in his past life as well. And at this point, they just would not give me what I wanted them to give me. So I started, like I said, to lean into it, but I really had no idea where to start. So we're going to just kind of tell you the story now, what happened, all of that. So my mother's dream, y'all, y'all just hold on tight, y'all. So we were on the phone and she's like, Tita, yeah, you know, my dream was a little bizarre. You were in an ambulance, you were pregnant, you were about to give birth. Four or five years ago, y'all, I was not looking for no baby. So I'm, I'm sitting there scratching my head. And I'm trying to let her land her dream. So she's like, yeah, we're on our way to the hospital. They have you hooked up to the monitors, but you give birth before we even make it to the hospital. And you give birth to a baby girl. And I'm like, what? And I'm letting her go. And she's like, yeah, but the baby girl comes out and she has all this gook on her eyes. And I'm telling the paramedics that they need to clean the baby eyes. They need to clean the baby eyes. And I'm just like, mom, this does not sound like a good dream. This is a dream you may want to keep to yourself. And honestly, guys, I don't think she knew what she dreamed about. I think she just wanted me to hear it because she felt in her soul and her spirit that this is something I needed to hear. So anyway, she goes in and she's just telling me she keeps horning on this baby in the baby eyes. So I'm like, mom, are you trying to say the baby was blind? You know, I'm real nervous at this point. She's like, no. That's not what I'm saying. The baby eyes are closed and it has gook around it. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm really not understanding. So I'm like, where am I? She's like, they have you hooked up to the monitors. They're working on you. Now, that don't sound good at all, right? So I'm like, all right, I'll let her finish her story. She continues to repeat that the baby girl eyes had gook on it. And the paramedics was trying to get the gook off the baby eyes. And then I'm like, okay, well, how does this dream Emma? And she's like, well, you know, you disappear out the dream. And I wake up. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know how to take that. And four or five years ago, you guys, I really didn't. Hence why I just threw it to the back of my mind. I never really thought about it after she told me. Because it didn't sound good. And she never brought it back up. Anyway, so here we are four or five years later. And I really feel like I had just left a season of winter. And I want to say that was within last week. So we are in July right now. So I would say recently I left my winter stage between January, well, I'm going to say between November of last year to this month, June, July, excuse me, I was in a season of winter. I went through my hardest, 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 hardest points so far in life, and I did it, and I felt like I could not see, and my mother actually was one of what I would call my flashlights, my guidance. Because even though her and I may clash on certain levels, she's my mother and she's in tune with me and she's spiritual. So she doesn't even know, you guys. But she helped lead me through my winter storm. I'm a person where I don't call home to really pour my, or vent into my mom or anybody because it's really heavy. Some things we go in life, it's heavy. And this is why therapy is really important. If you don't have a therapist, a counselor, or somebody outside of your family and your friends, I highly recommend for you to. But anyways, that was kind of what it was. Um, I'll probably make another episode on exactly what my winter phase was. But my mom, she mirrored me. For the last few months, 
she was two steps ahead of me and I was right behind her on the same, well, not the same, very similar issues. And it was, it was really bizarre, you guys, like I said, but at some point I stopped fighting and I started to lean in. I started to open my eyes and really see what was being presented in front of me and, you know, accept the guidance that I was given, even though she didn't know she was. So back to this baby, right? So the baby I gave birth to in my mother's dream, I really do feel like it's me. I feel like what she saw was that I was about to embark on my life journey, my spiritual journey, and I was going to need some help to help with the paramedics to clear my eyes to help me to see. The paramedics, I feel like, was the Portsmouth guy as well as my manager in Iowa, and my mother was there to watch and see to observe. My mother's always going to have me because she's my mom, right? But I don't think she understood what she had saw four years ago because she wasn't thinking in the path in which I was, right? She didn't think that far. She probably couldn't even know. But if she felt it in her spirit to tell me this dream, and you guys, if I didn't give any context, this dream would have been bizarre and we would have took it literal. So I said all that to say, you guys, we go through different seasons in life. Um, if you're spiritual, like I keep saying, you want to lean into it. You want to start somewhere. I highly, highly recommend Psalm, chapter Psalms. That's where I'm at right now. And really reading through it. It's a large, it's a large, uh, I've got a few chapters, over a hundred some chapters in here. But it's worth it, especially when you're going through something harder in a winter season. And when I say about winter season, I mean where, you know, you're really feel like you're struggling. There's a method to the madness. There's a reason for the pain and everything else you buy. So don't let it break you. Really lean in. Get a therapist if you need to. And there's nothing wrong with that as well. Alrighty, that's all my story for today.